Hello there, woman beings, and welcome to another episode. Uh, I am here today, as always, with the lovely Kelly. Hello. And the amazing Kelly Ann. Hello, hello. And we are also joined today by a special guest, Tara Jean Stevens. Hello, friends. <laughs> We're really excited to have her joining us here remotely today. Um, we think that she's going to have a lot of great input. Uh, if you don't know who she is, then you're about to know and you're about to love her. Uh, we're super excited and let's just dive right in. This is Woman Being. Where we explore thoughts and opinions. And have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment, we will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. So Tara Jean Stevens is here with us today. Uh, She has been a part of morning radio and TV for about two decades. Uh, So she has a ton of experience under her belt. She is a mother and a wife of a beautiful family. And what a lot of our listeners probably would know her from is her podcast called Heaven Bent, uh, which we have listened to, we have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, And I, first of all, want to just thank you, Tara, for being here with us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure to connect with you guys, especially, you know, since we have uh, similar backgrounds, but also because the pandemic has been so incredibly isolating. So it's nice to connect with new people. Yes, yes. It's a huge honor to have you on. And (laughs) yeah, very similar backgrounds. I'm so interested to see how this conversation goes. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. So Tara Jean, if you could just start off with telling us a little bit about your podcast, Heaven Bent, um, and sort of what inspired you to dig into supernatural church culture, which really is is what the podcast focuses on. Um, And maybe you can just Talk a little bit about the podcast in general, the premise of it and all of that. Yeah. Well, uh, like you guys, I come from the charismatic evangelical church. I was raised in a Pentecostal church up in Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Um, But I've grown up in the church here in in Canada my whole life Uh, until I was about I don't know, 16, I stopped going regularly. And then Mm -hmm. I started to deconstruct after that. I didn't have a word for it. Um, But now I have a word for it. And I only found that word deconstruction after I started creating my podcast. I had no idea a few years ago when I started researching my experiences that there were so many of us out there who were questioning things and reliving some really unusual memories. And that's really what kickstarted my I don't like to call it investigation because that feels like I'm trying to like expose some terrible yeah. thing that's happening. like gotcha journalism or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is an aspect of that, um, but it's sort of come organically. It wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I just had this memory from my late teens being in church on a Sunday morning in Prince Rupert and a group of uh, adults from my church had just returned from a convention at a church in Toronto And when they came back, they said that they had experienced supernatural activity, like gold dust falling from the sky. Uh, One of the, more than one of them, but one of the women stood in front of us and opened her mouth and said that God had given her a gold tooth. And we all lined up and looked in her mouth and saw this gold molar. And I sort of just planted that in the back of my head as 
another wild thing that happened in the church. But Mm -hmm. I only started to really question it when my faith started to fall apart because, Mm -hmm. you know, if, okay, if that wasn't God, then what, what, what was it? Or am I wrong in this deconstruction process? Is there really something supernatural going on here that I need to get back in with or otherwise I'm going to go to hell? And that really was why I started the pod. I just was trying to answer what the heck that moment was. And so then you you talk about sort of uh, deconstruction and the podcast almost in some ways going hand in hand. And that's so interesting to me hearing that like, it it sort of gave you terms to put to what you had been experiencing and questioning. Um, And it sounds like maybe also gave you some sort of solidarity, some community that you didn't really realize existed, which is really beautiful. Like we love obviously the idea that a podcast could bring people together in that way. Um, But what, what caused you to start really questioning your faith and starting that deconstruction journey before you even really had terms to put to deconstruction as an as an idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I get asked this question a lot, and I think the more that I think about it and answer it, it gets like I can fine tune it even tighter to yeah. you know really specific moments because I don't remember n- stopping going to church every day. Um, you know, when I was around 16 as being, I didn't believe anymore. It was just because I wanted to have sex and not feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, obviously you guys can totally relate with that. I can hear that. Um, You know, I was, I was 16 and, and my hormones were taking over and my boyfriend was in the church at the time. And I knew that we were getting to that point where I was going to lose my virginity because we were just, you know, it was heavy petting. You can only do for so long. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I just had this impression, like if I show up to church on Sunday afterwards, they're going to see it. They're going to be up. God will tell one of them what Mm -hmm. I did. And there's going to end up being this moment at the altar where they're praying for it. It's going to be so embarrassing. And oh, it was more of that kind of thing. But um, when I started uh, my first year of college outside of school, so that was outside of my small town, outside of the, you know, confines of my church and just this really isolated environment that I had been raised in, uh, I started to hear new ideas and hear new bits of knowledge. And I got that from a woman's study class. I got that from a religious history class. Mm -hmm. And I got that from a film study class. And it was actually out of all those, the film study class that really started to crack things for me because I learned about mythology. I had never heard about mythology and myths um, outside of maybe cartoons or something like that, like Disney cartoons or something. But I had uh, made this connection with some of the myths that I had heard. I'm like, that sounds a lot like Christianity. That sounds a lot like Jesus. Oh, (laughs) you mean they were telling a story like this hundreds and thousands of years or like whatever before what, what, what's going on right now? (laughs) And so that was that it was really that film study class and those three three classes together that sort of uh, started the process for me of questioning what I was raised to believe. Well, and one of the things I really appreciate about um, Heaven Bent is uh, it's very clear that you sort of talk about your deconstruction journey and having a curiosity into like, what were those like, quote, supernatural things that I experienced? Were they supernatural? Weren't they supernatural? Um, but I appreciate that you sort of approach this journey very kindly, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Like, you're, you very clearly um, 
are critical of some of the beliefs that um, you're going back to explore. But I never felt like animosity or yeah, um, sort of like a. I had to get Melissa. a ton of therapy though in order sure. to be able to present it like that. I haven't always been this way. For mm-hmm. sure, and I and I think I I'm kind of in that place currently where I'm I'm trying to sort of figure out where I am in my own journey of faith and. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of disappointment and, you know, shame that I'm sort of overcoming, overcoming. But I also want to be able to choose kindness over like malicious anger. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, with all that being said, and in in your kind of experience of the church, what are what are some of the biggest problems that you do see in the church today? Uh, Well, I think that there's just been and this is something that I learned, especially from doing my season two on Bethel, Mm. uh, way more so with Bethel, I think. Uh, And that is that people are families and friends, more so families, I would say, because that's uh, even more so important, are God and their religious beliefs are more important than their human connections and their Mm -hmm. human, like a humanity or care. Like they will abandon their children because they believe something different they will you know and it's like whoa we're human beings with hearts and bloods and feelings and like that that is taking priority is a is a a problem it's a problem Mm -hmm. there's there's another kind of christian who it's just about uh, you know community for them and their own personal beliefs and their all that kind of stuff but it's become very very messy and I got to say, it's way more messy down in your neck of the wood than it was <laughs> when it is up here. I mean, everyone has a different experience, but uh, the difference between season one and researching sort of the Canadian revival movement and the Toronto blessing um, was a lot tamer than when I started digging into Bethel. When I got into Bethel, there was uh, a lot darker themes. There was a lot more um, damage that was being done to people who have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Emma and I were just having this conversation last night, sort of about the um, hierarchy of soul, essentially, like because heaven is kind of the ultimate goal when it comes to the Christian faith. We sort of reject some of the earthly things that need to be handled, for example, like, yeah, yes, victim, please just forgive your rapist so that we can all move on and you can get to heaven because that's for mm-hmm. your benefit. Yeah, you're, you're not able to forgive because you have a demon. Let's get the demon out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and to me, like, at the end of the day, like, when I have, when I read the Bible, when I, like, read what the, the Christ says, like, that is actually not the goal of the Christian faith. Like, if, if you take Jesus at at his word in that, like, you are to care for the needy and, like, you are to, like, love your neighbor and, mm-hmm. like, what's the point of being on earth if heaven is the goal? Like, that's yeah. that's not really... Isn't that uh, the wild thing about the Bible, though, is that there's so many words and messages in there that anybody can take it and decide mm-hmm. what works for them. And so you have these Christians who do focus very much on heaven, as we know yeah. from Bethel or from, mm-hmm. you know, my upbringing, too. And then you have this whole other world of Christians that I actually love so much who are like, nah, Jesus was all about caring for the poor and the sick and the homeless. Let's yeah. make that where our heart lies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's been, you know, throughout basically 
since the inception of the Christian faith, and maybe even you could argue the Jewish faith, there's been people who use the religion for their own gain and use their own interpretations that benefit them. And that becomes popular belief across the board. And people take that as the word of God when it's really the word of people who are using it for their own benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and along that lines, Tara Jean, or TJ, I should say, maybe. <laughs> uh, we're friends now. Um, <laughs> uh, do you do you have hope for the church? Do you have hope for the Christian faith? Um, I, I, as an outsider looking in, I, I would say, like, do you think that there is hope there uh, for a better life, a better future in our earth? <laughs> I only do recently because of some of the people that have connected with me as a result of heaven bent. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I'm really surprised that I can have these, you know, I've been on a few podcasts, very similar conversations to how ours are going right now. And sometimes I've been really surprised at how candid my conversations can get with people who are still Christians, who still go to church. I was on a guy's podcast. He's a, he's a pastor and a Christian, like religious professor up here in Canada. And he's so lit up by the fact that I'm challenging everything he believes. He's like excited. He's so excited by it. And I'm sitting here going, what is going on? And it's moments like that, that give me hope uh, that something good could still come from the church. But when I even start to talk about that, that anger inside me that I've dealt with, with, you know, a lot of therapy starts to rise up again, which is, yeah, but, but I don't believe that that's right. I don't believe that this is based in truth anymore. So why am I, why am I pretending with this person right now that what they're believing is real? Like they're believing something that is absolutely based in like mythology and historic, you know, it's not real. Like, what are we talking about right now? Like it just starts to really frustrate me and make me sad and embarrassed. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think that if I'm understanding you correctly, like some of what I think about with that is like, okay, well, what is the, what's really the purpose of religion? And like, how does it matter if this is quote unquote real in the way that we think of it as real, like, as in like this thing actually happened, or this is actually a like um, rule of law that we need to follow um, versus like, I mean, a ton of the Bible is, is poetry and is prose discourse and is like all these different literary styles that we're telling stories to convey messages that in our, I think in like Western culture, we've said, oh, this is literal period, the end. And that is what makes it like real or not real. But if these stories motivate you to then like be you know, a generally like good person, if it motivates you to like extend kindness and generosity to your neighbor, then like, in my mind, that's more the purpose. It'd be great if that's really what the church was, but let's be honest, it's not, it's (laughs) not. And the, the negatives, if you even look now at what's happening or in history, it's getting really ugly. And I think as an artist, I don't know if any of you guys consider yourself like creatives in that way, but like I personally feel like humanity has lost out over hundreds of years of people who put all their creative energy into the church instead of into Mm -hmm. imagination and fantasy and visions for the future that aren't going through that Christian lens. So sometimes what makes me angry is the loss of that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. I mean, I completely agree with you. It's, it's kind of this idea of like, uh, 
I can pray away my problems so that I can continue to focus on the happy Christian whatever stuff and in the arts or whatever. It it takes a backseat. Like it's expression isn't as important as long as you're serving. Um, and I really relate to what you were saying earlier about I'm I'm almost like afraid to be seen, but also I desperately want to be seen mm-hmm. and I desperately want to perform to be the good super Christian, whatever. Um, and I, I was raised definitely very conservative, very faith-based. Um, and then I moved out here and did three years of a supernatural ministry school <laughs> and, three, and years. <laughs> three years. Oh boy. And as I've stepped back and like started to deconstruct, I mean, it's very painful, right? It, it, you feel like, who am I? Where am I? What have I been doing? Exactly. Like mm. in what ways have I sold out parts of who I am? Um, in what ways can I recultivate those parts of myself? But at the same time, even though it's so painful, I find myself being thankful, even though it's like, gross, but also, wow, I actually have a lot of grit now. I actually have um, a lot of character that I probably wouldn't have without these experiences. And it makes me wonder, like, do you find yourself in that space? Like, are you thankful for being brought up in some supernatural, um, in supernatural culture? Or are you, do you feel like you've had to really move past and overcome a lot? I mean, where do you find yourself in that tension? I think that, yeah, well, that's a really great way to phrase it. Like, where do I find myself in that tension? Because it does, I do get pulled both ways about it. I think that my experience in the charismatic, evangelical, full, deep in revival, like that type of environment, not just regular church, like most people experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that has made me a far more interesting person. I mean, fart my life, right? Like, look at us mm-hmm. having this conversation. Look at this podcast. Look at yeah. the experiences that we've had and the memories that we've had. Like, it's very fascinating. And it, yeah, it's made me a more interesting person, but there's also part of me that's like, who would I have been without that? What would I have learned and accomplished without having spent my time on those, on those things? But whatever. I mean, I, I, it's not that I live in regret. I think it, I I think that there's, I, I think it really, when I, if I have to focus in on what makes me so angry, it's actually just my education. Because I, it wasn't, I was in the Christian, I was in the youth group, I was in the church, but I was also in the small Christian school within the church until, Mm -hmm. until I was through grade 10. And so, um, still to this day, I struggle to comprehend certain things that, uh, back then we would have considered secular, like evolution and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Like, um, it's like, oh, my brain's broken. I think I'm a pretty smart person. I wonder what I would have done if I had actually been fed things that were factual instead of only learning things from history that could be presented through the filter of the church. Like, you know, we only learned about things that monks invented. Let's like, you know, like what? And I mean, that actually a really extreme example of that kind of thing that um, that makes me think of is, have you heard of uh, the book Educated by another Tara, Tara Westover? Oh, it's so (laughs) good. So it's a really good book. Uh, we actually did a review of that book on the podcast. Uh, if you like, want to check it out. If you want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners slash Tara. Um, 
It um, in that book, it's it's detailing the life of this woman who grew up in a hyper conservative, isolated Mormon home, and uh, how she sort of like breaks out of that and and essentially self-educates, puts herself through college, eventually goes to Oxford and Yale. gets her, she goes to Yale and Oxford. Oh, wow. Okay. Because remember, she goes to England and she, yeah. She does all the education. She does, she's, wow, hey. Like, yes, so intelligent after years and years of, like, sort of homeschooling, but essentially no education. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things she talks about is, like, when she first, like, started taking history classes in college, they would reference things like, the Holocaust, and she would have no idea what they're talking about. And she, like, I think she tells a story of how she raises her hand in a lecture and asks what they mean, and she gets, like, kicked out of the class because they're, they think she's being disrespectful, like, as if she's, um, you know, trying to make fun of it because how could you not know mm-hmm. what this is? This is, mm-hmm. like, a huge mile marker in, like, the p- history of the world for the past hundred years. And um, that's obviously a very extreme example, but I think that there's a lot of deficit in, like, Christian education mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. way that people who are brought up in that, uh, they miss out on a lot of things. Yeah. I do want to add, though, like, shout out to the teachers who have had, like, for example, let's say my biology teacher, who mm-hmm. um, when I transferred from the Christian school, I've been in the Christian school pretty much my entire education, incredibly isolated. And mm-hmm. then I finally convinced my parents in grade 11 to let me go to the public school because they had a drama program. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to, to be in theater. And so they let me. And so when I showed up in grade 11 biology and had, I mean, probably a grade six type of science understanding and he started teaching about evolution I was so cocky in that moment you know whatever I was 16 17 years old I would put my hand up and tell him he was wrong in front of all these new people like and I was just this weirdo girl who showed up from the weird Christian school down the street like I was a I was a weirdo and this man I mean this man I should go I should send him an email and thank him because I failed I failed biology 11 twice and he still fudged my numbers at the end and let me graduate because he knew there was no hope for me in that time in my life. He could have ruined my, my, you know, my chances of moving on to college the next year, just out of spite. You know, he probably didn't want me back in his class as well to do with, but I consider it an act of kindness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like that's, that's definitely something that like a teacher doesn't necessarily have to do and that like he recognized that you are coming from such a a radically different perspective (laughs) and um I mean in some ways I don't know if this is too harsh of a word for what you would say you had but like in some ways someone would see that as almost like brainwashing like you've you've essentially just been fed all of these things that are not really true yeah. scientifically. <laughs> but that's when yeah. we bring up this conversation. And I think this is uh, a lot of the time at the heart for a lot of us. And I'm sure you guys can relate is that I don't go back and think of these people who taught me things as these nefarious human beings that were mm-hmm. selfish and just trying to get what they want. And they believed. I think yeah. 99% of the people in my life, in my Christian walk, in my Christian upbringing, all those adults in the church you know, that raised me. I don't think there's a single one of them that is, you know, evil or bad or anything. I think they just believed. 
They yeah. believed in their heart. And why, if you really, it's almost like Christians who, um, I remember this one time, like I had, when my kids were really young and I was in a sushi restaurant and this woman sat down beside me, she looked at me and she had, you know, the face of Christians who believe, yeah. oh, you know, the 100%. face, they're like, so shiny and you're they're like, they're so shiny. And it's very, <laughs> like, we all had that face. Um, I'm sure you guys had it at Bethel probably even more oh, than yeah. I did in my teens, but it's, it, it, I think for you, when you're in it, you think you're just like conveying the love of Jesus, but it's actually incredibly obnoxious. Yes. Yeah. It's I was super ass. obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I was, I you know the secret. Yes. Yeah. I, I look back and, and I'm still kind of in that phase of like trying to just figure it out. I have no idea where I've landed. I'm very much floating right now, but I look back at some of the things I was so certain of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I tried to convey it to the people around me that I cared deeply about. Um, yeah. It's just an ass, <laughs> a very arrogant ass. Well, yeah. this woman, in, this woman in the sushi restaurant, like I didn't know her at all, and she just came up to me and started to attempt to minister to me to see if me and my young family wanted to come to church with her. And you know, she just said, you know, I just saw you sitting here, and she said, I just thought maybe you don't know about the truth, and I could not leave this restaurant without telling you. And and I just thought, but that is a true Christian. Right. Yeah. Like that is someone who honestly, like I almost respect the Christians who believe it and do go full force, like at Bethel. And so I almost respect them more than the ones who say they believe it and go to church once a week or once a month. And do, like, how does my mother who is, I, she doesn't talk about it anymore, but she's still a Christian. How does she even handle the fact that I'm not a Christian anymore? How does she go through life knowing that in her heart, like I'm going to go to hell if I died in a car accident today. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's why I doubt, I doubt doubt that a lot of people really believe what we're talking about because how could you just go through life? Yeah. Thinking that that would happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I uh, like converted into Christianity when I was in high school and um, I really genuinely like agonized over like my parents' salvation in feeling like these people that I love so much are, I think that they are going to hell. Like that was, Mm -hmm. that was such a, yeah. And it actually, honestly, it caused a lot of conflict and strife in my relationship with my parents and caused a lot of division. Mm -hmm. And I think as I mean, I won't go fully into it, but just as my concepts of hell and what salvation really means have changed and morphed over the years, I finally feel like so much more like liberated in Mm. having, because I still consider myself to like have faith and would call myself a Christian. But I think a lot of Christians maybe wouldn't call me a Christian because of a lot of things I believe. And I'm able to, like, look at my parents with so much love and admiration mm. instead of condemnation now. Aww. And that's like, oh, sorry, I'm getting emotional about that. Yeah, but it's, that's huge. It is. And I think that I also think back about, like, the way that I treated people in my life when I truly felt that, like, so many people around me were condemned and deplorable and worry that I've, you know, hurt so many people along the way. And thankfully, I've received messages from several people from my past, from when I was in high school or even just in college or in the past few years who have, like, thanked me for being a kind Christian. And I'm like, oh, I did not feel like I was in my heart of hearts. And, mm-hmm. like, I did not. But, like, th- some somehow by through grace or s- serendipity or whatever you want to call it, like, <laughs> 
people have um, have recognized maybe some semblance of like goodness and kindness. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something that I've struggled with and like reshaping what Christianity means to me, looking back and sort of regretting some of the ways that I acted as a Christian. All this to say, there's a lot of potential, I think, for regret, for, um, I think, just like reflecting on the past. And I think in some ways, I at least have to remember to cut myself some slack and remember that I was young and naive and that people make mistakes, even if they aren't, you know, part of a very intense faith. And um, that is like somewhat helpful to me to remember. But uh TJ, I am curious if you could go back to, you know, the years when when things felt confusing for you and uh, you were beginning to to deconstruct and pull these things apart. What would you say to yourself? Just keep going. Just keep Mm -hmm. going. Just keep asking questions. Keep talking to new people. If something I mean, anything that was like really felt wrong to me. It was wrong. Like I didn't have, you know, like for a, a, a huge one for me is like, I'm straight as a bone, but I uh, am a, you know, LGBTQ ally hardcore. And that is because I feel like I need to make amends for the environment that I was raised in. I don't feel like I ever got to a point um, where I personally did anything against a gay person or said anything to anyone, but I sat in church services um, you know, especially at summer camp where there was some incredibly damaging um, anti-gay propaganda, um, you know, films and speech that was presented to us. And mm. I feel, I don't know if the word is like guilty, but like, I just want to make amends for the fact that I, I was sitting there. I was way too young to say anything different at the time. I didn't know it was wrong at the time. Yeah, I only knew it was wrong when I moved to the city and ma- met my first gay friend. And I was like, Oh, you're not this evil, terrible, (laughs) disgusting person. Yeah. You're not a, you don't have a demon in you. You just like nice clothes. Like what, (laughs) like what you like to trim your eyebrows. Like you're like, I don't know. Like it was just like these normal people. I still, I still feel the need though to, again, like make amends for that. And that's part of what my podcast is too. Yeah. I think it's, um, I feel that a lot too, like sort of that desire to, to love people better somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my state of continued naivety as I continue to evolve, but, um, as we all really should be always yeah, evolving, always evolving, always growing. If we're staying stagnant, that's one of the things I've had to remind myself a lot of too, is like, if my faith looks exactly the same as it looked when I was 16, yeah. like, what there's something wrong like, there what are you because doing? the way that you think your brain has developed further, you've learned more, you've had more experiences, you've met more people, things have to change. Mm-hmm. And like the way that you think about the world has to change or else you're stuck with the mindset of a 16 year old, which like, that's not, that's not what maturity is. That's not what growing is. And you, you're less, you know, a less competent human at the end of the day. So switching gears here a little bit, Tara Jean, you are, in addition to a brilliant mind and investigator of the, the Christian oh, church. <laughs> I'm just some troll at her computer in Vancouver. 
a brilliant a, troll. Well, a, <laughs> uh, you're, you're also uh, a woman who um, has worked in media for 20 years, 20 plus years, a long time. Um, uh, so I guess my question is like, do you have any, maybe, maybe we'll, have, we'll frame it this way. What are kind of the asshole moments that you've you've come up against in terms of being a woman, having, you know, potential glass ceiling over your head in, in all the ways that you've moved to succeed and grow and be successful in your career? And, and maybe what are some of those asshole moments that you've experienced maybe as you were investigating uh, the Toronto Blessing and Bethel Church um, due to your gender? You know, what's funny is like I was this is kind of like triggering for me, just a conversation I had with someone recently about what it was like to be raised in the church as a young woman and all the things that we hear about our bodies and our behavior and what, what, what we should do with our lives. And, you know, I really had this impression when I was young that considering what my talents are, which is performing and storytelling and um, presenting, sort of hosting, that kind of thing. Um, I always had this impression, like I was going to wind up being a televangelist wife. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, mm-hmm. I was gonna have a, you know, I was gonna have some new kind of, you know, like what I saw on the Trinity Broadcasting Network on the satellite mm-hmm. dish in my house when I was growing up, or you know, up here in Canada, we had the show called Hundred Hunt- Huntley Street that was on every morning, and I thought, oh, I'll be like a re- Christian reporter. You know, where my mom always wanted me to go to YWAM and get involved with that. And and uh, I, I I did do all those things to, like, not go to YWAM or whatever, but I, I did end up with a TV show. I did end up reporting. I did end up doing all those things in spite of, um, you know, being told in, in some way or the other that, you know, women were, like, I always thought I was going to be the wife. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah but I'm not that, like modifier I'm, on the end. Yeah, like, yeah, but that's not what happened at all. I I have stripped away the Christian context to my career and passion, and you know that same sort of thing has come up. But I always wonder about like I don't know about like the asshole moments, but like the I, I'm just very grateful. I think that somehow I made it through growing up in the church. And I have always felt very positive about my body and my abilities mm. as a woman. As a woman, and you know, I think it almost backfired. The I, you know, uh, this idea that they put on us when we were young children in the church that you know, young women, young girls in the church, like cover your knees, don't let boys see your knees because you're going to give them sexual feelings. Instead of that being like shame, I felt empowered by that. And I still feel that today. Oh, you mean I can, and I mean in a positive way, I mean in a very feminist way, you mean like I can use my body to get what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, let's go. So I don't know. I'm just very grateful that there was a glitch in my brain that didn't take me down a different path on how I felt about being a woman in this world. That's uh, that's amazing to hear, I think. I mean, especially for me growing up, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, um, I think modesty culture was one of the biggest um, oppressors of myself or shame causers in my, in my life growing up and feeling like I was some sort of um, irresistible kryptonite that um, <laughs> needed yeah. to be covered up and shielded as to not... Um, destroy the benefit of mankind um, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on your shoulders eh? yeah yeah a lot. and I think still today like um I just ordered a swimsuit online and it's 
still those types of things can trigger me and, and make me have a hard time like, okay, if I walk into this room, what are people going to think and how am I going to affect their ability to focus? <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe is a little bit over arrogant or over self-centered. But you were taught. That's what you yes. were taught. Yes. Yeah. That was kind of the idea. It was like your body is a weapon, like, essentially. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, Kelly, in your... It, as you ingested that, it was like, oh my gosh, my body is a weapon. It is a bomb that could go off at any moment. Yes. And I need to do everything to keep it from going off. Whereas for you, TJ, it sounds like you were like, oh, my body's a weapon. Let's okay, go. let's yeah. see how we can go to war with this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's see how we can utilize this. And um, that's really fascinating that uh, that's sort of the direction that mm-hmm. you wound up going with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's also like reminding me of just as like slightly different, but one thing that I think about a lot, especially since I've been making this podcast is like how we could all grow, like you could, let's say like my church, for example, and all my youth group friends, my girlfriends, my guy friends, all of us, like, let's say there's 10 or 15 of us. We have all come out of it in different places. Most of them stayed in the church and married youth pastor husbands and yada, 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 yada. What was it about me? that made me be where I am today making this, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a scandalous podcast. I haven't at this point heard from anyone that's ups that, that bothers to tell me that they're upset about the fact that I've been researching our church and airing the dirty laundry and stuff like that. I think that people that don't like it probably just don't listen and don't talk to me, but you know, I, yeah, I just wonder like what, how do some of us come out one way and others the other way? Like it mm-hmm. just brings it back to that humanity, right? Like we're all these like individual special human beings that we can't put an umbrella over. Yeah. Absolutely. I think of like kind of that yearning in my young twenties, uh, early twenties of just needing to be that wife, you know, mm-hmm. like waiting for, I was married at 18. So I did Ooh. the whole Christian thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm still married. Thank God. Like, I don't know, or thank the universe, whatever. I, I don't know how that worked out, but I love him very much. We love each other. We've both grown together in a lot of ways, but, um, being married so young and sort of waiting for him to take on this mantle of leadership so that I too could rise into my destiny as a leader as well. And I think it's that that mantle of leadership always felt dependent on somebody else being able to open the door for me. And it wasn't until I started, I don't know, deconstructing, maybe taking different paths that I realized I could carry that on my own. And I have my own gifts that I have to give the world. And it doesn't, doesn't require the door of a husband to work through or work alongside in order to give it yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and thankfully you, your wonderful husband, Ross was very much so poised to empower you. He was yeah. like, no, if, if you feel like this is what you're supposed to do, like if you, you feel like it. you should be on the mission field or you feel like whatever you do it, mm-hmm. like I empower you to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not my thing. That's yeah. not my calling, but like, you don't have to wait for right. me. And but I'm so thankful for that now, because if he had been, that person that I was expecting or, mm-hmm. or thought I needed or thought I wanted, I definitely would have just fallen in line. I would have like taken, I, th- I feel like I would have just turned yeah. into the the perfect Christian suburban wife. And yeah. that probably would have been, I mean, maybe now I'd be like restless and raring to get out or whatever, but yeah. it's, I think it's really incredible that, um, 
I got what I needed, even though it wasn't what I knew I needed or wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Which, like, who knows what they need or want at 18 <laughs> anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's the thing. In the moment, it feels, like, so wrong. So high You're stakes. like, no, 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 you have to lead me. And I often joke that my husband, James, is more feminist than I am because he's like, uh, babe, like, you really don't need me to do that for you. You are strong and powerful, and you should go for it. And in the moment, it feels horrible you're like no but then later looking back you're like wait I grew Mm -hmm. and I'm stronger now and actually I'm more independent and that's important and I totally get that like so much gratitude for the men that don't let you fall in line (laughs) with Christian pressures on them too right (laughs) oh totally yeah, there's a ton of pressure because they're told, like, you are the leader of the household and you are, like, every decision is on your shoulders. Totally. And Make sure you're listening to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, Don't hear wrong. You are essentially the, the priest for the family, the ambassador of God for the family. And um, that is a lot of pressure. And I actually, I think, too, about uh, a female pastor that I was listening to recently who talked about how uh, she was told her whole life, essentially, that she needed the covering of mm-hmm. a man in order to sort of like speak in front of a church or, or do have different leadership positions. And she'd always seen these women who they were like, don't worry, it's okay for me to be up here in front of all of you because I have the the covering of my father or mm-hmm. I have the covering of my husband. <laughs> and it's essentially saying I have their permission. They've said it's okay for me to do this. And that blew my mind because I had never heard of that concept. But it's something that a lot of Christian groups believe in is this idea of like sure we'll let women do things as long as they have the covering Mm -hmm. of the man (laughs) which i mean yeah that's like (laughs) nauseating (laughs) that's gonna be a big sort of theme for season three of heaven bent that i'm working on right now what a great segue which is stunning because tj as a uh huge fan of the podcast i binged it in like two or three days that's like, so wild when I hear about people binging. <laughs> oh it's my gosh. It's so crazy. I couldn't pause it, couldn't stop it. I was like, James, you got to listen to this shit. It's crazy. And then <laughs> I went to work and I work with a lot of people that have been around Bethel and told almost everyone there, like, you have to listen to this podcast. It's insane. It's awesome. They're just like, oh, okay. And then like later that week, those people came back to work. We're like, oh my gosh, I binged it. And I was like, I know. <laughs> um, so you've covered the Toronto Blessing. You talked about Bethel. What areas of the church, other than the permission of men, are you exploring if you could give us a little bit of a teaser? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you a pretty chunky tease too because I, really, I don't really get to talk about it. this too often. Um, so I'm actually working on two future seasons right now. So season three and season four, um, season four is more directly, directly connected to our world that we've been talking about is more of a through line from season one. So season one, the Toronto blessing, the revival starts there season two, it spreads to Reading. Uh, Mm -hmm. we get Bill Johnson and the whole crew and your experience with, you know, Bethel school of supernatural ministry. And then, um, what is at this point, I feel like, don't quote me on this because, I mean, we're listening now, but it may change in the future. But right now it's going to be season four. I'm, I've am i started already. It's going to be on uh, IHOP, Kansas City. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. International House of Prayer. Um, Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, the prophetic world, um, all of that kind of stuff. And the 
the reason why I'm doing that is because so many people from that world have requested that I dive in. And when I started to dive in, um, I realized that there is a lot of wonky stuff that's been going on there for quite a few years. Uh, I can't believe something could feel like it gets darker than it did at, mm-hmm. at, at Bethel. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm pretty deep into it. But it's such a beast that yeah. I just feel like I'm going to need to take some time with it. But totally. is anyone, I know there's a lot of people who, you know, went back and forth or, you know, from IHOP to Bethel or whatever. So if there's anyone listening that um, has a story to share or wants to connect me with anyone from that world, you can feel free to to reach out. But season three, the one that I'm more actively working on right now, actually takes us to a network of Pentecostal churches in the American South. And it's, um, yeah, so we're going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, Kentucky, lots of like original recordings of praise and worship music going back, you know, decades and decades, um, the history of women in the church down there. And this particular network of churches that, um, I tell the story of, uh, they were very, very, very forward thinking in regards to women leaders. So um, it ends up, uh, you know, creating quite a bit of drama for the podcast. And there's uh, some pretty dark stuff in this one as well. And and these churches were also impacted by the same revival movements that impacted our lives. So, um, you know, the Toronto Blessing Movement um, ended up sort of triggering or had something to do with Brownsville and Florida. Mm-hmm. That that made its way to the American South, too. So yep. we're, we're all connected, right? We're all connected oh, yeah. in, in the same world. But I think with season three, I really do um, tackle being a woman in the church, being a woman in the Pentecostal even evangelical world and what that means and how we've been impacted. Wow. wow. I can't wait. I am on the edge of my seat. <laughs> That's I can't fascinating. Wait to share it with you guys because it's so isolating. I just want to get it out there. Yeah. Some really well, great audio though. I can't wait to share it with you guys. But also another thing that that triggers in my mind as you talk about like women in these like uh, more charismatic churches in the South is, are you familiar with uh, Gwen Shamblin? Mm, oh, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. She uh, was a huge, like, female pastor figure in uh, Tennessee, and there's actually an HBO docuseries that recently came out about her and, like, her whole thing. I don't know how sort of, like, they're not—I don't think her church was necessarily super, like— charismatic in the sense of like Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they were super into like the spiritual giftings and that kind of thing, but there's some really interesting stuff that happens in her church. That's like church abuse and all of these different things. And then like she and a bunch of the senior leaders like randomly die in a plane crash. And it's like, what? And there's a follow-up season coming out on HBO about this Mm -hmm. as well. But that, I don't know if that's someone that's worth researching for you, if that even falls in line with what we're, what you're doing. But it's, she's a fascinating character. She's like yeah. essentially this powerful female icon who has a litany of male leadership underneath her. Yeah, and those men are like technically quote unquote running the church because yeah. there's oh, still this a lot is like of patriarchal. I'm just yeah. looking yeah. it up. Oh, this is like <laughs> yeah. recent. Oh yeah, it's oh, some yeah. wild shit. Like yeah. real wild. Mm-hmm. It's very wild, and she's very. If you see a photo of her, she's like a Dolly Parton. Like look alike. Oh my gosh! I totally know who she is. Yes, Yes. Dolly wants her hair. Let's get real. Yeah, yeah. So that's a fascinating 
So it's, yeah, it's a wild story. We did a a review of the first season on the podcast as well, um, and probably we'll do a Mm -hmm. follow-up when the new season comes out. But it's it's just fascinating. This What's most fascinating to me is that she upholds a ton of patriarchal church norms Mm -hmm. while being a female pastor. Yeah. Isn't that funny, hey? It is. Yeah. It is. all that to say, we could, you know, chat about all the, things. All the different things <laughs> of the way that women are affected in the church. And, we could tell um, you some stories. All the deconstruction oh, yeah. <laughs> things. And um, especially, I re- I'm very excited for this season about the South because I was born and raised in the South. And so, like, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say in your upcoming season. Well, I can't um, wait to share it with you guys. Sometimes I feel like I'm... <laughs> nosing around in business that's not mine but um no. you know, coming from northern canada but whatever i'm going in no yeah. we yeah. all know it's so. amazing like, yes do it yeah. i don't know a single person that has listened and didn't like your podcast yeah. so and i think please. again like you you treat the stories with so much care mm-hmm. and um like in, in a way sort of like I would say that you're pretty like honoring to the people that you talk about even mm-hmm. if you are critical of them and that to me like it it allows you to come into these spaces that you didn't necessarily you weren't part of being mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the in the part of the world that you're in and and all of that. So. Yeah, I can definitely say, and for anyone listening who's considering watching Heaven and Bent, when I or heard, listening to listening, not watching, <laughs> but you can. Oh watch God, there's a movie. <laughs> 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 listening to Heaven and Bent, um, I started listening to it with much trepidation, being in the middle of a deconstruction journey, as it were, and being afraid that it was going to sort of push me off the deep end. Um, but it actually like um, stabilized me. In a lot of ways. Mm. It allowed me to sort of see the good and the bad and mm-hmm. not necessarily look at it at such an extreme angle, but more of a centered angle. It was very ce- centering for me. So wow. that's my my little plug for heaven bent. <laughs> Thank you so well, much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So all that to say, we want to hit you with one last question that we ask all of our guests um, that uh, is very open-ended, very up for interpretation. uh, But it's, you know, part of what we do here at Woman Being. Uh, We want to know, TJ, uh, what does the phrase, the collection of words, woman being, mean to you when you hear that? Uh, Creator. It's just creation to me. It's, uh, you know, not just our ability as, you know, as women to, to give birth, but that we are of our own accord able to express ourselves and build things and make things happen uh, of our own accord, mm-hmm. you know, without, as we talked about, that covering that we were raised to believe we needed in order to move forward, Um that's that's my gut reaction for sure. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And I mean, women create literally, <laughs> and uh, so I think that that's one of the things that um, I think that women are so inherently creative, and like all of us, like have more generic like you know vocations within the quote unquote creative field. But I think that women outpour create creation and creativity and everything that they do. And um, that's one of the things that I love about womanhood. (laughs) But uh, so, TJ, as people are, um, you know, diving into deconstruction, as people are learning about the church and uh, 
Christianity and all the different things that come along with that. Uh, besides, obviously, your wonderful podcast, Heaven Bent, are there any resources that you have for the people um, or resources that have helped you along the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the best thing that I can serve up is maybe just the very first piece of literature or text that started me on my deconstruction process. And it was back in that film studies class uh, that I took right out of high school where I first started to go, wait a second, there's other ideas out there and other ways of thinking about things. And it's uh, Man and His Symbols is the book. And it really just, it's uh, by Carl Jung. And he, you know, dives into dreams and mythology and symbols and what they mean in our life and how they've evolved over time. And it really did make the first big crack for me in able to, in being able to understand that there was uh, something else out there. Because when we are raised in such a fundamental environment, it makes it very hard to consider other things. I don't even, I don't, I am not a Christian anymore. I will never be a Christian ever again. I, that is not part of my life. There's no way I could go back on that ever. Uh, and yet still to this day, as a 42 year old woman, I can't do a down dog in yoga without thinking that like I'm mm. presenting to the devil. Like yeah. it is, wow. do you know what I mean? It's still yeah. there. I can't, yeah. I've, I, I have no religion in my life. I have no, I, I, I struggle to have spirituality in my life because of the fundamental thoughts that were implanted, that it was this way or evil. It was this way or the yeah. devil. And so I'm sort of caught in this middle point and I'm going to keep, uh, you know, I'm going to keep telling myself to keep going. Just like I want to tell you guys to keep going, mm-hmm. just keep going, just keep asking questions, be curious. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I think that a curious and critical thinking mind is like the best resource that you can have <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day. Uh, so uh, f- as the final, final, final bit in our, <laughs> in our series of closings, uh, TJ, could you let the people know where they can follow you, where they can find you, give us any plugs for anything else that you might be doing. Uh, let the people know, because I know that they're going to want to find you after listening to our conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, with heaven, with heaven bent, it's available um, on the Frequency Podcast Network, so you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on Apple, and you know, podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm also uh, on pretty much whatever your favorite social media platform is. You can either find me, Tara Jean Stevens, or Heaven Bent. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I've been having some fun on TikTok too. Oh. Hoping, um, which is, you know, a whole different kind of world. And I find that TikTok, there is a really vibrant, and Instagram too, but a really vibrant community of people who are connecting over their deconstruction. Yes. So if you're looking for ways to connect with other people and um, just be a part of that conversation, I would really recommend that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, a total twist on that. When we finish wrapping up here, I'm going to be hopping on the air for my radio show. So I am on the air from 2 to 6 Pacific time on KISS Radio in Vancouver, and you can listen live at kissradio.ca. Amazing. Amazing. Nice. Uh, Well, again, uh, Tara Jean, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, girls, you're the best. uh, You're the best, really. You (laughs) are. (laughs) Um, We, I I know, I feel like... um, we just like really, really value your, your opinion, your perspective. And like, you're such a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, I feel like we connect 
connect over the spiritual plane with you a lot across yeah. the I feel you, I feel you. Yeah. Um, and so we're so thankful that you took the time to talk with us and that uh, the woman beings can uh, gain from from what you've had to say here today and um, that if you haven't listened to Heaven Bent then really really I would highly recommend listening to it I could not stop talking about it to everyone I knew when I listened to it uh and uh, you're going to want to catch up for when season three and four come out. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. But um, all that to say, you can also find us, uh, The Woman Beings, uh, across all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts. Um, I forgot all the other ones instantly just now. <laughs> Spotify, Spotify Amazon, Stitcher, all the above. We are on Instagram at Woman Being Podcast. We have a website, womanbeingcommunity.com. We have TikTok as well, uh, which we sometimes feel like old millennials trying to figure it out that we're trying <laughs> and uh you can find us on all those things be sure to leave us a review and interact with us on social media because we love to hear from you um and let us know how much you love this episode with tara jean uh probably not as much else? as i did probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh all that to say i think that's everything so thank you ladies Thank you. you. We're going to wrap this up and we will catch you guys next week.